Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hello, listeners. How are you? I'm Sarah Poet. I'm your host. Thank you so much for being here. I'm recording this on a very rainy morning. You might hear the rain outside, so forgive me for any background noise. Uh, I get really excited about women's leadership. As you know, if you listened to episode 44, um, so go catch that. That's just me talking about my perspectives on women's leadership, but I definitely am really, really passionate about this topic in all of the facets. It's like, if we pick up, you know, a box that says women's leadership, we could look at it from the front, from the back, from all of the sides, right? So there's a lot to talk about here. And I love, love, love this interview with Ursula George. And Ursula is a business coach, speaker, and podcast host who shows women leaders how to turn their businesses into profitable agents for lasting change, global impact, and a force for good in the world. And you can find more about Ursula at workalchemy.com along with free resources for you and your business. Um, I look forward to, I'm going to talk to Ursula very soon about um, impact and business. And I was just really inspired uh, by her website and by the work that she's doing. So um, you can also listen to her popular podcast called Work Alchemy, uh, the impact interviews. And she's had guests as diverse as Seth Godin and Marianne Williamson. So Ursula is um, pretty much a badass, which is amazing. Um, I love this interview because it has so such a wealth of knowledge from Ursula's experience. And also we both end up sharing personal stories. Um, I know in this interview, I was so surprised by what she was saying. I was like, oh my gosh, me too. And I ended up sharing a story that I didn't know that I would even share on the air. So, you know, that's good when there's a little bit of a vulnerability hangover. Um, so please, you know, tune into the entire episode. It's really good. Um, I want to tell you about a couple of things first, and then we'll quickly get to the interview. Um, there is, okay, women's voice and whether or not we can speak out, whether or not we 
feel we can, whether or not we, you know, quote unquote, should, knowing when to speak out, knowing how to find the voice. These things are incredibly important to me. And I have built a practice around trauma-informed women's empowerment, okay? And so you can actually go to my website, uh, sarahpoet.com, and there is an online course that I very rarely um, market or talk about, but it is there for you, and I really want you to know that. It's called From Silence to Truth. Okay, and it's specifically for women who have um, truths inside of them that they would maybe like to share but can't find the voice. Because a lot of times we're talking about women's voices, and there's this, in my opinion, there's this misconception that we have to be able to say anything that's on our mind or that, you know, it's empowerment if we say everything that's on our mind. I certainly um, lived like that for a while. And so actually what's going on is a trauma response that we don't feel as women that we can. And the stories that Ursula and I tell in this episode, I mean, there were traumatic stories, you know, of speaking up and losing things. And uh, I just felt like the impact of, of those words, because I know that every woman has a story like that. Like, I spoke up and I lost this job. I spoke up and I lost this relationship. And so there's a fear just in the collective of women because of our collective trauma, because of our ancestral trauma, because of the traumas we've experienced. Um, there's a fear to speak your voice. And so in this little course, which is um, $99, it's very affordable. And I walk you through some trauma informed practices first, for getting into the body and allowing the truth to arise, and then being with that truth. And then the very last thing we do is actually decide whether or not you want to speak it. Okay, so it's a different take on um, women's empowerment and women's voice. So check that out. Um, Also, I want to tell you about community calls. So community calls have started this month in September. And it's a little experiment on my part to see if a membership group might be coming in 2021. And I would really love that. But what I need is your feedback about whether or not this is a good idea and you want this. So um, uh, bi-monthly calls, bi-monthly community calls, and you can go to sarahpoet.com and look at the calendar and get that information. And you can just, you pay 27 bucks per call. Okay. And that's because you get meditations. There's, it's a safe container. It's an energetically held container. We'll do some energetic activations. For example, if we're talking about women's voice, which we often do, I'll give you practices about that tips, education. Um, then there's a 
Q&A that you can submit questions and then also um, a meditation and energetic activation, okay, to empower the voice. So they're really packed with uh, value. And you can, again, go to sarahpoet.com and look at the event calendar um, and, and go to the booking link and just book in. They're the first and third Thursdays through 2020, Okay. And then we'll see where it goes after that. But if you're curious, you know, get on one of those calls. Don't miss it because I definitely want to hear from you. I definitely want to connect with you. I want to know what's on your mind, what questions are arising from this podcast, what questions are living in you. Um, it is a time for community. We know this. Um, it's also a time for absolutely coming into contact with the truth that is within you. Okay. That's kind of how I see this last part of 2020 is that there's a lot that's still going to happen. There's a lot still on the political agenda, all those things outside of ourselves. So it's actually a very, very great time for us to go inward and align to the truth of who we are and make contact with those truths inside because you are a vessel of divine truth, of sacred truth, and we are remembering that now um, in what I would like to look at as a global awakening. And so we have uh, many, many more women awakening to the truth of who they are. It's very, very exciting. And we need to cultivate that. And we need to take time to cultivate that. And so the end of 2020 is the <laughs> is a really good time for that. Know who you are even in the midst of all of this. And so the last thing I want to tell you about today is I'm going to release a program, okay? It is something I'm very excited to tell you about. It's called Structure and Flow. And at first I thought I was making a daily planner and then I realized what this is is a 12-week transformation process using a it's kind of a planner/journal and it balances the inner feminine and masculine energies um through through the program, through action, through the intentions that you set. So it's a daily time and energy management system. We talk about boundaries. Um, you actually practice weekly formulating um, energetic and time boundaries and then creating your weekly time planner, your weekly, how you spend your time um, according to your own uh, boundaries and clarity and intentions. Okay. So again, what better time to do that than the last quarter of 2020? And you'll find yourself positioned in 2021 when things are going to get probably a little bit lighter and open up a little bit. And then um, you will have cultivated through the structure and flow program um, a very fine tuned sense of how you want to spend your time and energy um, from this point forward, which is a critical, critical conscious decision. So if you are interested in that, there is absolutely time to um, get on my mailing list at sarahpoet.com and make sure that 
you are signed up for my emails because that is where the information will be coming. Um, and the program will go on sale in the first week of October. And what I'm going to do is have a 12 week group coaching program that accompanies this like beautiful workbook that, um, you will have mailed to you. And there's an additional curriculum about masculine feminine flow about boundaries, um, all things, time and energy that I will be holding during the use of the planner. So it's a 12 week planner uh, and workbook that you'll do individually. And then a 12 week group coaching course to accompany that. And um, I'm really, really excited about this. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you. And after you've listened to this episode, please feel free to review, subscribe, rate all of the podcast things that are very, very helpful. This podcast is beginning to track a little bit, um, which is wonderful to get the word out to more women. So if you listen to this and you like it or any other episode, please share it with one more woman and say, Hey, subscribe to this podcast. These weekly episodes are really full of value. And I think that you would like it. And so sacred remembering modern women waking up to the truth of who we are. Yes, we are. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for being here. Hi, Ursula. Welcome to the sacred remembering podcast. Thank you, Sarah. It's delightful to be here. It's so great to have you here. We met once in person, and I think we talked for hours and hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just a very easy connection. I'm so glad to have you here. Great. Well, looking forward to, the, to this conversation. Yes. So we're going to talk about women's impact today and the impact of women's leadership in the world. And you work in business. You are a coach. And advisor, why don't you tell us what do you what do you do in the world? Sure, I work with uh, women leaders who want to change the world, and that encompasses a lot of things that are both very personal in terms of changing your immediate world, but could also be something bigger and more global. It's very much a, a choice around the kind of impact that um, the people I work with want to have. So um, it's, it's work that goes deep because impact is a very heartfelt, um, it's a very heartfelt thing. There's a deep exploration involved of what does that mean for you? What does it mean for you personally? What does it mean for your business? And what does it mean for the, the people that you're contributing to, the people you're actually having impact on and with. So um, it's been uh, an amazing way for people to look at the world and their business in a different way of bringing impact into the world as the focus rather than just profit. And companies that have that focus actually do a lot better financially, interestingly. Mm. Um, it's not just a kind of a kumbaya, you know, let's all, mm-hmm. let's all have, uh, you know, con- contribute to each other. It also 
um, has implications from a business perspective. And if you can keep a business sustainable, you can have more impact. And mm-hmm. more growth means more impact as well. That's so having a focus on impact and making that the central focus creates a more sustainable and financially viable business. Yes, very much so. Yeah, and it's grounding for the 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 entrepreneur um, in the sense that you have that level of clarity. Both and you and I were talking a little bit about this beforehand, but it's it's all the way from day-to-day decision-making to moving through challenges more easily through having a guiding light for your strategy and your marketing. It's, it's very multidimensional. Yeah. So uh, there are like five directions I want to go. I'm so excited about this conversation (laughs) on impacts right now. Um, And I think first I want to hear a little bit more about your story. Um, so we say that the Sacred Remembering podcast is for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are. And mm-hmm. so when you are talking about these changes that need to happen inside of women, inside of organizations and creating impact, I imagine that there was a time where Ursula was working for someone else. And, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, you've walked this road as a woman. And so I'm, I would love to hear a little bit of that story. Sure. Um, well, I've been down a, a path that is probably a little unusual. Um, I started out in academic research. I worked in uh, medical research for a while. And then I moved into a, a corporate role. And all of those were, as you said, working for someone else. And the, uh, the corporate role, um, that was one that I found particularly challenging, because at the time, I think it's, it may be less so now, and at least in some companies, but it was very much a time of bring your persona to work. We don't want all of you just mm-hmm. bring this very narrow part of you. And that's what we want to see. So in that corporate setting, I really um, found myself very constrained in terms of, of who I could bring, uh, who, what part of me I could bring into that work. And I thought about for a long time starting my own business, but it was was so tempting to stay where I was, partly because it's scary to change. And I had a very lucrative position in corporate mm-hmm. And uh, so fate kind of took a hand there. I I, um, ended up uh, leaving corporate uh, because I was fired. I got got into a, um, what is euphemistically called a a career limiting move where I called my boss out on a situation where she was really giving one of my direct reports a hard time and I felt it was completely unfair and I called her out on it and that was not appreciated mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I was uh, released from that job um, without cause it was the kind mm-hmm. of description of it and that was um, really great because they gave me months of, uh, of my salary to kind of ease my way along that. And I really, Oh my gosh, Ursula, we have a similar story. Really? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And I was just thinking of this and now I'm like, Oh, I was thinking of that because we were about to have this conversation. Oh, that's so funny. Wow. Yeah. I called something out as well. 
And Ah. I was, I had already started my business and they knew that. And we had agreed to all be very forthright. And because we were all friends, we'd all started the school as friends. And then I actually called something out that had to do with gender. And I did it um, in light of like, let's make this better. You know, I love this place and I love you all. Let's make this better. Mm-hmm. And um, things went very south and they actually mm-hmm. had a gag order on me. And that's oh, wow. how I secured my severance. Like mm-hmm. as a single mother, I had to decide, like, am I going to walk away with nothing, you know, with my voice or like, you know, so it was a very hard time. And um, I ended up negotiating the, um, the details of that um, severance such that, you know, I can say things like this, but I can't talk about the details of it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, very, very, so we can talk there yeah. about like women's voices and standing up for what's right and what happens right. to you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. I think it might've been um, better received and probably in your situation too, if, if it had been a man who had um, stood up for somebody else or who had stood up for a principal and mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately we still see that happening. Yeah. So um, oh, this was just a few yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This was, yeah. Yeah. And with a, with a friend of 10 years, I mean like these mm-hmm. issues run so deep, like the power of women's voices and, yeah. and calling things out and how uncomfortable that is. So, well, and I think it, yeah, that's okay. I mean, I, I, I think you're right. It, culturally and systemically, things are set up in a very patriarchal way. And that for women to speak up and to have a voice and to, even if you're doing it very professionally and, mm-hmm. um, you know, without rancor, it still comes across uh, to some as very threatening. And yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I recently just completed sharing uh, a series I created called the Fierce Women Forum. And it was a series of discussions about what does it mean for women to be fierce? And my, I mean, I think of fierce as a very broad kind of definition. It doesn't involve um, necessarily uh, speaking up in a in an angry way. Um, but I, I think it does involve passion and being really clear about what it is that you value. And unfortunately, women are often censured for that. We mm-hmm. really get called into a situation where we are um, tone policed or managed or handled in some way. And it makes it very difficult to have the full expression of who you are in the same yes. way that that men are allowed in a professional setting. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's super important to acknowledge that there's a, there's a systemic discomfort. There's a systemic context for all this that makes it very uncomfortable for people. And, and uh, that discomfort can lead you to be, you know, shut down in various ways as you shared about your situation. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sorry to interrupt. That was an an amazing summary. Yes. And then back to you. So you were, um, you were like, and you had a female boss. So it's not necessarily a gender thing, but it's like, we all inhabit these 
these old habits, you know, until we become conscious of them and sort of decide to break them. So you had spoken out to a female boss and then (laughs) you, you, I'm sure it wasn't like easy at the time, but now looking back, that was divine intervention. Well, it it wasn't, and it absolutely was divine intervention. It uh, it really helped me get underway with a very lovely cushion of uh, financially, and ironically, within uh, 13 months of starting the business that I started right after I got fired, um, I was making more than my corporate salary that I wow. was so afraid of being that I was so afraid of losing. So um, it's it's kind of interesting how you get a, a really quick indicator that you're on the right path. <laughs> right. And that was certainly true for me. So that was, tw- that was 25 years ago. So wow. that was a long time ago for me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that path of um, being an entrepreneur was certainly one that I'm much, much suited to and uh, really was the perfect avenue for me. So in the course of the first 15 years of being self-employed, I um, had two different businesses and uh, and they they both did well and but I found myself feeling quite restless at around the fifteen year point of feeling like I was doing the same old thing over and over again and feeling not creatively challenged at all so uh, through an exploration that I did and i 'll just keep this really short is um, I, I ended up deciding I was going to take a little time off. And that started with, I'm going to take three whole weeks off, which felt mm. like ridiculously long. Mm. But that mushroomed into six weeks, and then it was three months. And what I ultimately did was I sold my house and most of what I owned, and I went traveling for mm. a year. Um, it ended up being, and uh, I had decided I'll travel for as long as that makes sense to me. Mm. And um, in the course of that year, I really got clear that the work that I wanted to be doing was um, helping other other people, uh, women in particular, to develop their own businesses. And I became a business coach out of that exploration. So it was it was a pretty profound experience. I I had a a, a white light kind of, for lack of a um, you know a short short form way to talk about it, but I have a very profound spiritual awakening during that year. And uh, it really changed my perspective on my work and my business. And uh, that's what I've been doing primarily since then. Mm, Beautiful. And so the focus on impact on the world and creating a better world kind of came from that. It did. And I, I realized actually in looking back that I've had that thread through my entire career. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know there's been, um, there are things that people have object, objected to around medical research, but it, my intention with it was really around how can I contribute to people's health? How can I bring something into the world that's going to be valuable for people to really thrive? And so that thread has been there through my whole career. But I that specific focus on impact that I've had over the last six years has really, that really came out of a clarity from the uh, experience that I had of being, I called it an intentional nomad, of really exploring what was important uh, and that 
level of focus on impact has come out as a really powerful theme in my work because I see it as a way of not only developing um, your contribution in the world, but it's also so much linked to self-development, including your leadership, because you can't have one without the other. You can't constantly be giving without filling the well. You can't constantly be focused on yourself because then you're not contributing anything. So that fullness of experience, it really goes beyond mission or purpose or even your why, because even even the that why can be very self-focused or very outward focused, but it's the it's the dynamic interrelationship between the two that's so important in the way that I define impact. And and that gives it a very holistic approach to business and also to the way you start to look at your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know that there are a lot of women listening who might want to make a change or might want to become an entrepreneur or you know, women who have had a spiritual awakening and they're wondering what to do with it. Or, you know, I know I have gifts that the world doesn't necessarily talk about all the time. Like, how do I bring those forward? Whatever the situation is, um, you know, sometimes we have like a year's worth of, you know, income in the bank and we can travel around. And like, sometimes that has to happen. You know, we kind of have to build the plane while we're flying it. Right, right. So, you know, what do you... Do you have advice there for women who are in the air, like flying the plane <laughs> and trying to like redesign the plane while they're in the air? Well, I think that's a really apt analogy. And, and yeah, I mean, you do not have to sell everything you own and go on the road for a year uh, to start a business or develop a focus on impact. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was a great, it was a fabulous experience for me, but that isn't, everyone's path necessarily, but um, I, I'm a big fan of, I mean, in my situation, I had financial resources in both cases. I didn't just, um, I'm, I'm always a little leery of that leap in the net will appear. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Because I think it, it leaves people quite unsupported, which brings yeah. a lot of stress into the situation. So if you can, if you can do it in a, I, I would really recommend doing it in a more gradual way. So, uh, I mean, this is these are some of the things I did when I had my corporate job. I created a vision for my business, and I had all kinds of things in place in terms of um, the way I wanted to set things up and who my clients might be and exploring that well in advance of actually starting mm-hmm. the business. And if there's a way to do it incrementally, um, in a way that doesn't conflict with what you're what you're doing, um, either in terms of your ability to perform there, but also you know whatever obligations you have from a legal standpoint. Um, if you can do that in a gradual way, that's a really great way to do it because you you can build your confidence over a longer period of time. You can uh, play with the inevitable kind of exploration that is involved in, well, who are my ideal clients here? Who are the people I really want to work with? And and you can also evolve the service or product that you're offering in a way that it's, you really develop something special that you can offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. The overlap, the overlap is really mm-hmm. smart. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk more about fierceness. 
He just, <laughs> he just held a summit on fierceness and, um, yeah. What do you want to say about fierceness? Um, I think it's, it's a powerful word and it can be a scary word for some people. Um, for me, fierceness is a passionate expression of what you believe and passion does not have to be loud and, and, uh, but it does have an energy to it. It does have a clarity to it and it's real. I mean, we, as women, as all humans have, is a, is a range of expression. And we're not always allowed that as women in a professional setting. So mm-hmm. I think to expand our, the acceptance of, of all kinds of expression is really a goal that I have. And I think that the more we bring that into, um, into work and our businesses, and the more that other women support us in that, and hopefully men begin to support us in that, and there are men who do that, um, then we can change that norm of uh, people being frightened by it or, or of, of being threatened in some way. And at least at the beginning of making it not acceptable. And um, that's a you know step along the way. Ideally, we'd get to a point where it's just embraced and that's, oh, oh yeah, she must really feel strong, strongly about that and just take that in stride. So it's, it's hard to lead. It's hard to be in leadership when it's difficult to even express your views. So I think fierceness has a really important role to play in leadership. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to diminish here the difficulty in being a woman and using our voices. I mean, this is something that in previous generations, not too far back, we were killed for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, to be an outspoken woman, we actually have like the epigenetic trauma inside of us that would say it's not safe to speak out here. And, you know, this is a large part of my work, Ursula, where I'm working with women in, well, how do I speak up and out and how do I feel, how do I heal the trauma that's in my body such that my voice can be clear, such that I can be fierce. But one of the things that you said a moment ago that, um, you know, I say in the beginning intro of the podcast that women are rising, but we're not doing it by fighting anymore. Because I think Mm -hmm. that um, women's empowerment movements have largely been like stand up and fight against the oppressor or prove something to someone else who thinks that you are less than, or, you know, it's been a fight. It's been like uh, all, all women's, um, you know, larger scale women's movements, I think have been about that, that fight for equality or that fight. And so, you know, when, when we're talking about that, it's like reclaiming it for you in you healing that trauma, practicing the use of the voice. um, And you're not fighting against anyone anymore. You're just practicing saying what is true for you and being fierce in that knowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I, I think all of what you said is so important. And I think um, there's, there's a few things there that I think are important to highlight. One is any personal trauma. We all grow up in a family environment and a culture that has where you have your own experiences around speaking up. And for me personally, um, that was not encouraged. And I was actively punished if I spoke up. So I continue to have in my body this um, fear of visibility. And I recognize it. I've done a lot of work around it. And I'm able to move through it now, acknowledge it, know that it's coming up and just continue. But it's real. And it's, it's there for so many women. And also knowing that you're operating in a larger context, that there's a, there's a cultural and systemic dimension to this that is actively uh, trying to, to keep women silent. So I think having that context is really helpful to know because then you know that it's not just you. It's not just your individual situation, which may be playing a role, but it's not just about that. You're really... Um, and we all are kind of swimming in this same soup. Um, so I think it's, it's really important to develop support around that, whether it's working with a coach or uh, developing a, a group of, of women that, and, and, and men that can support you in doing what you need to do, in saying what you need to say, in speaking up. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really important. And, and also, there's a lot to be said for finding the right environment for you. I think sometimes, um, I actually just did a podcast interview with someone yesterday who uh, was talking about how women tend to blame themselves when things go wrong. And that what could I have done in some way I have created this situation. And I think that it's important to look at whether you're in the right environment and sometimes a switch in the environment can be incredibly healing and valuable and uh, allow you to flourish in ways that you never could have in where you were. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for also speaking that like this, this still gets to you. Like the, you know, the, um, the patterns are just kind of in us and And it's so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's like, damn, again, here it is again. Yeah. No, I was having a conversation with my male partner yesterday about like the, the impact on a woman of using her voice really clearly. And it was kind of coming up in our relationship and I was asking him to be conscious about it. And, you know, it's just like, damn, don't make me say these things again. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. Uh, well, I, I was recently in a in a in an organizational setting where I I was speaking to the issue of of diversity, and um, somebody it was like watching a, a movie of kind of the classic response where this person got very upset about the fact that I kept raising this issue and and uh, calling me out on on uh, wanting me to change my tone and to. Mm. Um, 
to be happy with the the incremental fractional change that had just happened and to be happy with that and and kind of put a smile on it and it Go was away. yeah it, it was kind of surreal just sort of sitting back and watching it unfold and clearly this person was was for whatever reasons uh personally and um professionally just really felt that um it felt threatened in some way by by even the issue being raised, even if it was done in a professional way. But it's very active. So to speak to your point about, you know, you, you having to do this in your relationship, women have to do this in everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. So the I'm kind of excited to tell you about this, Ursula. So I'm really doing more with women's groups. Mm-hmm. And this right here is a primary reason why. Because when a woman... I'm really seeing the impact of a woman being able to be herself and practice speaking that truth and then be witnessed by other women in the Mm -hmm. mastermind. In this case, it's a mastermind, but you know, and, and that's kind of the point of the mastermind is to stand in the truth of who we are individually. And so when, when women have that container, it actually moves moves each individual forward by leaps and bounds because yeah. we're not that individual who's like looking for the, you know, the validation in a place where you're not going to get that validation kind right. of thing. Or and you're not, al- you're not alone. alone. Exactly. Exactly. And I really think that that's just, that's so much of the potential impact of women's leadership and feminine leadership is really acknowledging the power of women coming back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that we, you know, I hate to sort of make sweeping statements about, I, I don't believe that all men do this, all women do this. Um, but there are some trends that we can look at in terms of how women choose to lead. And I think about it in terms of, impactful leadership. And I think that um, the that women tend to approach leadership a little differently in terms of the fact that women are very relational. And so we take into account the effect on others of what we're doing and what we're deciding. And, um, and I think that leadership and impactful leadership in particular can be kind and compassionate and clear at the same time and um and being in service to a greater vision of of impact and in service to the people you're gathering with or collaborating with to realize that i think are important aspects that women can bring to the equation of leadership and really make um being part of something, whether it's an organization or um, or some kind of movement, it makes it a very different experience than some of the um, dominating types of leadership that we've seen, um, unfortunately, on the public stage in recent years more more prominently. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I wish I could cite the statistics right now, but I can't. But a lot of things improve when women are mm-hmm. in, you know, in positions of the CEO or are running their own businesses or in charge of money. And yes. I know that you said that financial viability goes up. 
um, when impact is made a focus of, of a business. Can you speak to some other things that just really naturally happen when women are in charge <laughs> or I don't, when women are leading, I'll say maybe yeah. they're not in the top, you know, quote unquote position, but when women are in their natural leadership, even or in positions of leadership. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of research done on this as a way to encourage organizations to bring more women into leadership roles, to bring more women onto boards. And it's been shown that organizations that include women in their leadership, are they perform better financially. And ultimately, that's um, one would hope would be a, a, a consideration for a, for a business. And it also, the dynamics of the org- organization do better when there are, are both men and women included. There's a really well-known Harvard researcher, uh, Rosabeth Moss Cantor, who did some research on uh, an organization who brought women in uh, in an incremental way. So they what they did was it was a national organization. So they had offices all over the country and they hired, I believe it was, I can't remember the number, but let's say, let's for argument, let's say 20 women. And so in a group of a hundred adding 20 women sounds really good. But what ended up happening was that they had, they wanted to distribute the, the women throughout the country. So they had, one woman in each office. And what ended up happening was that it didn't change things because the women were basically the token women in the group and they had very little ability to move the decision-making wheel because there was only one person who had that had a feminine perspective. So um, her research really showed that it's important to have groups of women included in leadership. And it's not enough to just say, oh, we have a woman in HR, which drives me crazy when I hear that. But uh, there were two women in HR when I got fired on the Uh, basis of gender. So I mean, I can't say that. (laughs) That was not the actual reason. But there were two women. And they didn't stand up for what was right. Yeah, I mean, so there's, anyway. no, there's no guarantee. <laughs> there's no guarantee of that, and and people are uh, as as we've talked about, they have their own experiences of fear in the face of authority, and and their own fears about their positions, right. and right. and sometimes uh, uh, there can be a, a kind of acrimonious feeling of don't rock the boat. I mean, we're we're here. Let's just yeah. hang on mm-hmm. to what we have, mm-hmm. and. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, so multidimensional, but mm-hmm. the bottom line is that when more women are involved, organizations do better. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, which gets back to the point about, about women's groups and, and like what women can do when they're with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that fierceness, I mean, I saw that in that workplace that I was just referencing, but you know, when I would, I was kind of like one day I was publicly scolded in a, in a meeting. We really had some like good old boy stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, one day I was sort of like publicly scolded in a meeting and another woman went to HR and said, I will not work for an organization that 
that allows this. Wow. Good for her. Exactly. And so I didn't have that fierceness in that moment when I was scolded publicly, I was like, I, you know, I went back to like little girl places inside of Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And even though I am fierce, I lost that capacity in that voice. And then, you know, another woman went and said that and, and brought attention to it. And so I think that, you know, that that's really a huge capacity for impact. Um, when women, are working together and brainstorming together and, and not, you know, being meek and being more fierce. Well, and, and not to, you know, be too hard on yourself in that situation. You were probably very startled by what very, happened yes. and, and not expecting that kind of treatment at the hands of another adult colleague who right, right. should have been treating you with more respect and, and allowing yeah. you to communicate in the way you wanted to, but right. in the moment, it's not always easy to respond. So that's why it's totally triggered my trauma. Yeah. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that all the more important that we um, really make a conscious effort to support each other and and uh, and do what your colleague did and and stand up for you when in the moment you just weren't able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you read the book patriarchy stress disorder? I have not. Okay. So I'm going to recommend it. Um, we did an entire episode on women's worth, um, Mm. a few weeks ago and Jen Ailey recommended the book to listeners. So I've heard from some listeners that they've, they've begun to read it or have read it. And Mm. I'm like, I've, begin to read it. And I think it's just going to be my focus this weekend because, uh, it's amazing, but she talks about, um, how women from the beginning, like we're, we're just enculturated to imagine that we are worth less, that we Mm -hmm. are worth less money. We are worth less attention. We are worth less, you know, uh, impact even, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, I just wonder, um, you know, when you're talking with women leaders and you're talking about impact, I'm sure that the conversation about worth and value also arises. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it has, it's something that we tend to struggle with because um, whereas men tend to speak up um, quite a bit more readily and say, Oh yes, absolutely. I can do that when they only have perhaps 30% of the qualifications for a position. I think that was the, the percentage that's been cited in, in research. Whereas women feel they need, 70 or 80% of the qualifications to even consider applying. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, it goes beyond the uh, kind of maxim that uh, that's widely accepted of, well, we have to do twice as well in order to be seen as, as equal. I think it goes beyond that. I think it's, it's also an internal thing where it's difficult for women to, um, it feels boastful if you talk about um, your accomplishments. It feels like you're um, 
putting yourself above other people when you start to call yourself out. And men tend, tend to be trained in a sort of more hierarchical way, and their brains work that way a little more than ours do. So we're always looking at the kind of the web, the, the greater connection between all of us. So to, to stand out like that feels somehow wrong. Mm-hmm. And if we can um, really think about it in terms of speaking to the truth of our own experience and be able to talk about, well, this is what I have done and this is what I bring to this situation, then it's, it's not a boast or it's not um, calling yourself out as superior. It's rather just acknowledging the reality of what it is that you've done. And when you can, when you can recognize that value, when you can bring that into conversations with clients and people you're collaborating with, it's not only good for you in the sense that it helps make clear what you can bring to the situation and therefore gives you more opportunity to do more of those things. Mm -hmm. But it also is good for the other person because for a lot of reasons, one is they're clear about who they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. They know the resource that they can draw on and other women seeing that are often encouraged by it. It's like, Oh wow. Okay. All right. I can stand by what it is that I've accomplished when you see someone who does that and um, who, who models it in a way that is gracious and, and, uh, but, and still acknowledges the truth of their situation. So yeah, I think it has a lot of benefits. Yeah. Thank you so much. I love the point about graciousness and you can just, you can hear that in your voice and your presence, you know, that you can be fierce as a woman and be entirely gracious. Um, And yeah, I think that's another aspect of women's leadership that I really love and really uphold and and speak to is that, you know, women are going to be, I'll say more likely, you said we were more likely to be relational. I think we're also more likely to lead with the heart Mm. Um, and just, you know, keeping an aspect of, of love and service in mind, um, which gets to your point about impact. That's, that's one of the reasons why we would want to have an impact in the world. Yeah. I, I think that's really true. That connection with impact. I, I, we sometimes get trained to think about things purely in um, for lack of a better word, kind of mechanical terms, like a logic-based thing. Well, if I do this, then this will follow. And it's, it's a limiting way of looking at the world, whereas impact goes far beyond, um, you know, the, the mechanics of, well, if I do this, then I will have more income. Or if I do this, it will have um, that effect on, on my, my clients or it will bring more uh, clients into my sphere, but it's also bringing that heartfelt element, and that's my that's where that nomad experience of mine was so valuable to me because I I worked so much in a logic based kind of scientific world prior to that, and uh, bringing the two together that heart and mind uh, has and and spirit all three really bringing those all together has made for a much enriched 
life for me and it's much more fulfilling work. And I think that to be able to look at impact in that way is really crucial because it, it touches on all aspects of, of a person and, and the effect that your impact can have on them. So good. So good. Well, I think I have one more question for you. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear you speak about impact and the size of impact, because Mm -hmm. I think that, a lot of times I knew I, I actually have a keynote on impact and and size as a big component of the inquiry that I bring forward in the keynote, but it's like, am I making a difference if I'm impacting one person? Am I making a difference if I'm impacting 20, a million? You know, like what what is the range? And so how do you speak to women about impact as far as how much impact is impact? Mm. That's such a great question, Sarah. Impact is something that every one of us has every day, whether we recognize it or not. And you have impact in the smallest interactions. And I think acknowledging that, recognizing it, making it conscious is a way that you can bring it into your business and then decide what's the scope of the impact that I want to have with my business. And having an empire is not for everyone and it's not for most people and having a clarity about the, the scope of impact that you want to have is really valuable because it helps you look at not just the structure of your business, which is of course going to be very affected by that, but you can also make the bigger choice question uh, you can answer the bigger choice question of who do I want to affect and and how do I want to do that? And all impact, uh, all positive impact that comes from a place of where can I contribute to people who are welcoming um, what it is that I have to offer, it's all positive. It's all valuable. And um, so you making a choice about what the scope of that is, is, is an important aspect. And, and it shouldn't be diminished just because you're not um, doing things on a global scale. I mean, I talk about my clients as world changers and it, it's true for everyone because we affect the world around us. And some of us have a, a, a broader national or global um, impact because that's what those people have chosen to do. They've chosen to put their energy into that. But the impact that you have in your world is equally valuable. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think giving ourselves permission as women to Mm -hmm. see that everyday impact as, you know, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why it's important to look at how are you showing up every day in your leadership? How are you showing up in your interactions? And that has impact. And the it's the cumulative effect of that that is ultimately the, the bigger impact that you have. So being aware of it, even on a day-to-day basis, is so helpful. Yeah, yeah. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much, Ursula, for being here. Um, again, I, I feel like we could go on and on. I just love talking to you so much. Um, and I just want to ask if there are any parting words that you want to leave us with, anything I didn't ask you. Oh, well, thank you, Sarah. It's been such a pleasure talking with you as well. And I, uh, I, I love this topic and <laughs> I love talking I with you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that I, I suppose the, the message I want to leave with people is that um, you are valuable. Your impact is valuable. And always keeping that in mind as the basis for the impact that you want to have is um, it, it's a, it's a really at the heart of this work that I do of helping people recognize the value of what they offer and what they bring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And to that end, so your, your website is workalchemy.com mm-hmm. and um, you have impact breakthrough sessions that are available. Is there anything you want to shout out about that or anything you're offering um, in your business? Sure. Yeah, that is a, a way to really get started in this work of impact. And we, uh, we have a one-on-one session and really look at uh, your business and and what's currently happening there and where the opportunities are for having impact. And uh, that's the starting point of, of working with me. And I offer a, a uh, 12-week program called the Impact Breakthrough, which really gets into very deeply into the heart of all that. And, and you end up with a very f- clear picture of what your impact looks like and how it would roll out in your business by the end of that program. Amazing. So important for women, women leaders. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure, Sarah. Thank you for having pleasure me. Pleasure having you. Thank you. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you stay connected. And here's to your path of sacred remembering.